guys, and welcome back to the Vitriol Podcast, episode three. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Maddie, and I am a proud science nerd. Whilst the effects of the pandemic continue to impact the world, and I subsequently cannot do my usual boozy science events, I'm bringing you these podcasts instead. So I hope that you all are keeping well and safe in this strange time and that this podcast might be helping engage your brain. If you have any subject suggestions or follow-up questions, please get in touch with me. You can find me on Instagram at vitriol underscore science. I misspoke in episode two and I use my old Instagram name. So I'm really sorry about that. If you couldn't find me, that is why. And you can also contact me via my website, which is vitriolscience.com, where you can find my email address. So this week I'm going to be speaking about the sentient suggestion of the science of mentalism. If you aren't familiar with what mentalism is, it's kind of like magic, but taken up a notch. However, I will mention that mentalists claim not to be magicians at all, arguing that it is a different art form altogether. So no shade to mentalists out there potentially listening to this podcast episode. The argument is that mentalism invokes belief and when it's presented properly, it's offered as being real. So another point is that mentalism plays on the senses and a spectator's perception of tricks. So mentalism is defined as a performing art in which its practitioners, who are known as mentalists, appear to demonstrate highly developed mental or intuitive abilities. So performances may appear to include hypnosis, telepathy, clairvoyance and divination. And there's some magicians who routinely mix magic with mental magic or mentalism, such as David Copperfield and David Blaine. I don't know about you guys, but when I was younger, I was like obsessed with David Blaine. I thought he was legitimate. Like David Blaine had my little child brain convinced that magic was 100% real and he was like Superman, (laughs) which is so embarrassing. So suggestive magic can be traced back thousands of years in one form or another with oracles and practitioners of supernatural feats mentioned throughout the Bible and in ancient Greek literature. So one of the earliest modern examples, I'll use modern loosely because we're speaking of a guy back in 1572. So one of the earliest modern examples on record is the work of an Italian man named Girolamo Scotto. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, and I am part Italian, so I should be very embarrassed, who is credited as being the pioneer of sleight of hand magic back in, as I mentioned, 1572. So this type of misdirection or the sleight of hand magic is now often used by mentalists to enhance their apparent feats of mental prowess. In more recent times, mentalism has evolved to include many other forms of performing arts, such as cold reading, telepathy, hypnosis, rapid maths, and clairvoyance. So all of those things share similar roots in misdirection, the power of suggestion, and the ability to read body language. 
And these are the primary foundations of mentalism. And this is what I'll be focusing on to try and explain how it works. So the first point, which is watching someone's lips and their body language. So a mentalist will often tell someone in their audience to think of a word or an item and to repeat it over and over again. Then as the mentalist will speak about something else, the person is saying that word in their head repeatedly and they'll actually very slightly move their lips without saying it and without realizing it. So the mentalist will pick up on this and guess the word or the item that the person is thinking of. Number two is misdirection or the power of suggestion. By far, one of the best ways to convince somebody that you are actually reading their thoughts is to plant a thought into their mind so that you know full well what it is. And this is often achieved through misdirection. So misdirecting is when you, through words and body language, get the subject to subconsciously focus on something so that when you ask them to think of something, that is what they think of. This might sound a bit confusing, um, so I will use an example. So if you were to subtly work a word in several times into your routine, such as watch, and then quickly glance at your watch as you're doing the routine and do this in the right way. Then if you go ask that person to think of an accessory, they will almost always think of a watch. Furthermore, that person will think that they thought of it and that you had nothing to do with it. So basically this works because people are much more suggestible than they would realize or often like to admit. Uh, That definitely includes me. So um, point number three is fishing for information. So fishing for information is done by saying broad and general statements that seem to the subject as if you have somehow read their mind when it really could apply to almost anything or anyone. For example, many mentalists will say something along the lines of, I'm seeing uh, the number 19 really strongly. Does this mean something to someone? To their audience and sure enough somebody will have a connection with that number and in some way step forward after which you can fish for more information and more information until you have seemingly read their mind so the great thing about mentalism is that with a little bit of practice you can easily learn a few tricks at home so i came across one in my research that if you're so interested you could give it a whirl it is called the carrot trick So firstly, you write the word carrot or better yet, draw a picture of one on a piece of paper and keep it inside your pocket. You then ask someone to sit down, close their eyes, clear their mind, explain to them that they really need to concentrate on your instructions for this to work. Instruct the person to count backwards out loud from 100 while also visualizing the numbers inside their head. Allow them to do this for about 10 seconds and then ask them to name a vegetable. In the majority of cases, they will say the word carrot and then you can present them with the piece of paper showing the carrot. So this trick works by asking the subject to focus on a task such as reciting numbers. So you're distracting their brain with something analytical. And then by asking them to name a vegetable, you're suddenly forcing their brain to switch into imagination mode. And the reason why a carrot is chosen so often is because for many people, a carrot is the most common vegetable in their diet when growing up. 
So if you're so inclined, give that little uh, mentalism technique a try at home. If you do and it goes well, or even more hilariously, it does not go well, (laughs) send me a message and let me know. I'd love to hear about your experience of trying to do a mentalism trick at home. So some good examples of mentalism in practice, just in case you wanted to do some more reading or watch some YouTube videos, which is pretty much all I've done for the last three days. So Yuri Geller is a household name in mentalism, and this is because of his many demonstrations of spoon bending. Though an interesting fact about Yuri Geller is that there is some evidence to suggest that he was actually employed as a secret spy uh, for the CIA. And I read about this in a book uh, titled The Men Who Stare at Goats by John Ronson. It's an excellent read. It's very weird. And John Ronson also wrote The Psychopath Test, which is another excellent book that I would recommend. So another example is David Blaine, my man. So I mentioned him previously. And now that I'm older and and watching some of his videos, you know, he still does some things that I have no idea how he does it, but all all of his principles are based on magic and mentalism. Another person that I came across in my research is Darren Brown. So not Darren, his first name is spelled D-E-R-R-E-N. So he's done a lot of live shows and even a TED talk on mentalism, which you can find on YouTube. And they're really actually quite interesting and demonstrate his very advanced skills when it comes to mentalism. So just to summarize, mentalism is a form of performance art in which its practitioners appear to demonstrate highly developed mental or intuitive abilities. It's certainly not my place and not ever my intention to tell anyone what to think or believe. Based on the readings and research I've done to compile this podcast episode, my scientific opinion, just mine, on mentalism is that it uses human physiological and psychological principles to manipulate a participant into believing what they are doing is real and supernatural and there is no other explanation for it. So that concludes this episode on mentalism and a brief introduction on how it works. There is a lot of additional information out there if you are so interested to read. There is even a documentary on YouTube. I think it's like an hour or an hour and a half long. If you search mentalism secrets and techniques, it should come up for you. So as always, guys, please get in touch with me for any follow-up questions or subject ideas. I'm intending for episode five to be dedicated to answering all the follow-up questions from the previous episodes. So don't be shy. And until then, I hope to hear from you and I'll be working on episode four.